The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Fast Money. Happy Friday. I'm Melissa Lee, your traders for the hour. Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, and Jeff Mills. Coming up on Fast, something is about to happen in the market that has only happened two times before. And the chartmaster says it could point to some trouble ahead. Carter Worth will be here to explain. Plus, Beyond Incredible. We'll tell you what sent shares of Beyond Meat soaring today. And later, our chart of the week, why this magical mystery stock got the attention of one of our traders. But we begin with a $5.1 trillion countdown. Alphabet, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, all reporting results next week. The stakes couldn't be higher. Only Amazon and Microsoft are up on the year. So, Guy, we kick it off with you. Which of these tech titans will you be most focused on? Hello, Mel. And when Carter Worth is back, you know Fast Money is almost back 100%. It's great that CBW is back. For me, it's Amazon next Thursday. Uh, This is something we've been talking about for a while. While you were away, you know, one of the things we talked about collectively was how well Amazon was trading in the wake of what was a pretty dicey broader market. Now, obviously, you've seen Amazon's rally 50% from the lows we made seemingly just a month ago. I think the way to trade it, and I've been saying this for a while, and we'll see if it bores out, but... I think you earn it, you own it into earnings on Thursday. You pull the ripcord ahead and you look to re-enter the position at 2170, which, if you recall, was the high we topped out in February. So that's how I'm looking at it. I don't know if it's going to be a benchmark for the broader market, but that's how I think you trade Amazon next week. I mean, Amazon is a nice sort of microcosm, Tim, if you will, of, of the trends going on right now in this pandemic. I mean, we've got the work from home trend with AWS. We've got sort of the lower mix when it comes to Amazon grocery deliveries and the potential boom in uh, e-commerce. Yeah, look, Amazon is clearly a have in terms of uh, what's happening, both kind of going into COVID and what's coming out of it. They're arguably the best operator. Uh, They've been not only uh, taking market share, but they've been building infrastructure through all this. We know that they've added incremental workers after also furloughing some, but they're net um, going stronger into this. You know, I think of of all the names to to look at, I think Google's the most interesting just because uh, of potential sensitivity to the ad market, potential sensitivity to search, uh, especially around things like like travel and, 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 and leisure, which is 12 to 15 percent of their search revenue. Um, and, and that's the place that I think we really have to understand from the front line what, what's going on. And I think Google uh, is probably the most defensive in terms of valuation when I look at the diversity of their business as well. So um, 34 percent of the Nasdaq reports next week in, in those three or four names right there with Facebook, Amazon and Microsoft. Uh, and it's going to be a big week. I mean, Jeff, that means to me that, you know, this week when it comes to to the leadership in the markets is really going to be key. We're really resting sort of our hopes on this group of stocks at this point. Well, we are. And I think Carter is going to talk about it a little bit more later. But I think a lot of good news is being priced in. I mean, if you think about sort of the rosiest outlook, it certainly is that large cap growth area. If you look at the flows into the triple Q ETF, for example, 
really aggressive. And given the concentration of those names in the overall index, if there is a disappointment in the near term, then I think that could affect the overall market. But I, th I think you have to think about whether you want to be a trader or an investor. If you're a trader, I think in the near term, there could be some disappointment just because how these names are priced. I think about a name like Microsoft. This is a stock that I want to own. It has great management. It has $60 billion of cash on the balance sheet. But in the near term, they've already guided down in personal computers. So I think there's a lot of optimism given to the cloud business. And the question is, is that going to live up to the billing? Um, you know, in the very near term, I'm not so sure. If you think about some of the names like Salesforce and IBM, for example, they're talking about businesses dialing back their tech infrastructure spending. So if the economy continues to get worse, that number could stagnate a little bit in the cloud space over the next couple of quarters, and maybe the stock needs to give back a little bit in the near term. Again, long-term, great company. Near term, potentially too optimistic. BK, you're a trader and an investor, but put your trader cap on, will you? <laughs> so, I, listen, I think, you know, guys, I, I'm with Guy on, when you look at the way that Amazon is traded, you want to be selling Amazon into earnings. It's just gone a little too far too fast. The other names, what I think is interesting about them, they have all been the growth stories, right? So when people are concerned that we're all going to stay at home and the growth isn't going to be there, they've all piled into these names. So you've got to be concerned about that. But the one that I'm really, really watching is Apple, right? This has been the darling. They've now come out with a cheaper phone. And what I'm concerned about is that average selling prices are not going to be there in the future. And so I think given the environment that we're in, I think Apple, you absolutely want to be out of Apple before earnings. Or if you are a believer that there are recessionary wins to come and people cut back on spending, Tim, Apple may be better positioned uh, in the rest of the world outside the United States to be selling phones. Tim. Sorry, I'm not sure if that direction was to me. Yeah, sorry. sorry. So look, uh, I think you have a case with Apple my bad. Um, nice delay here. Uh, Apple is, is uh, to me, between their, their cash pile, uh, their ability to actually have defensive attributes in the capital market side of their business. The fact is the services business, uh, we'll see just how sticky it is. But that should be smoothing out the earnings profile. Look, the data we got two weeks ago out of Apple in terms of uh, the, the, the response in March in terms of the iPhone sales out of China uh, is very encouraging. And, and I do think there is some pent-up demand. So um, I'm less worried about Apple because I think it's a little bit more defensive on, on valuation, even though relative to itself, it's pricey. Um, you know, I, I, again, I would go to the places where we're most concerned about the consumer and advertising and, and the sensitivity on the economics. And I think it's really more in Google and Facebook. Yeah. Um, Guy Dami, let's uh, indul indulge me, if you will. Uh, let's say you lost your job and hopefully you won't. But there are millions of Americans out there who have um, out of work right now. Where do you cut back? When it comes to Apple, you might still stick with your phone. If you needed an upgrade, you might still go with that. But you might cut back on services. And services have been a growth part of the business. That has been the hope, right, for a lot of the Apple investors, like a Pete Nigerian, for instance, who pounds a table on Apple and cites the services business as the growth piece. What, what happens to that piece in a recession? Well, you know, you... First of all, you control my fate, as you know, Melm. So, you know, if you put the thumbs <laughs> down, only. you won't be seeing me again, number one. <laughs> number two, you know, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't use their services. The only app I have is the clock app, and that seems to be free. But I'll indulge you for a minute and say I think you're right. I think people will cut back on those things, and I'm not convinced 
You know, I don't know. I'll take the other side of what Tim said. I'm not certain there is this pent-up demand. I think people have learned to live with less, and I think that's going to manifest itself not only over the next couple of months, potentially over the next couple of years. So the upgrade cycle that everybody sort of hangs their hat on in Apple, I'm not, going to, I'm not sure it's going to be as vibrant and robust as a lot of the people hope. And I just point to Goldman Sachs' downgrade a, a week or so ago. I think it's really interesting that ahead of earnings, I slapped, I think, a $230 price target on the name. So I have that in the back of my head as well. The phone app and the calculator app are also way up there, Guy. you got to check mm. those, those out. <laughs> um, but in, if, just to push back a little bit on, on the upgrade cycle, I mean, haven't we learned from this experience that 5G is more important than ever? I mean, BK, if, if you have a phone that's going to be woefully slow and, and you have to be remote, you finally realize, yeah. hey, I need that 5G. Yes, but think about a world if we're remote, that means that the, we haven't gone back to work. That means the economy is worse. Are you really going to be buying an $1,100 phone? That's the concern is the price point on these on these upgraded phones are going to be very expensive. So, I, I'm, you know, listen, whether you use just the, the phone app and the calculator, as Guy apparently does on his Guy phone, or you use all the other apps in the application store, I, I don't think services are going up, and I don't think that people are going to be buying $1,000 phones. And, Guy, by the way, the application store is open despite shutdowns because it's not a physical oh, that's, store. I didn't realize that was yeah. a, one of those. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, is that? Oh. It's on the line. It's on the line. That's all virtual. right. <laughs> Let's move virtual. on. Stick with earnings here. The chart master says something is about to happen next week that only has happened twice before. And if history is any lesson, it could spell some trouble for the market. Let's get to Cornerstone Macros. Carter Worth with more. Hey, Carter, nice to see you. Likewise, nice to see you. Well, what it is, of course, is that it, we have the big companies, all five. They represent a huge chunk of the market. But it's fairly rare for them to report all in the same week. In fact, that's only happened two other times in their combined history, and both times the week following was not good for equities. But we've got a few slides here. Take a look. What we know is, of course, we kick off with Google, and then that's on Tuesday. Monday we get a reprieve, but Tuesday through Thursday, all five report, ending with Apple and Amazon on Thursday. And now what we know is that this basket of stocks, which was very concentrated before the market crashed in February and March, is now even more concentrated. If you look at the second slide here, we're up to almost 21% of the S&P, which is to say these five names are now the same size as the bottom 350. It was the bottom 250, then 325, and now really um, an incredible weighting. And so the issue is, if you look at the chart of this combined basket, you, you can see there that we are obviously well higher than we were at the peak of the dot-com era, not to imply the valuations are different. We know that, and we know rates are different. But the concentration of capital uh, is moral hazard, if you will. And, and then finally, just take a look at this uh, small table here. Two other times in history, in January, the week of January 26, 2015, and uh, January 29, 2018, this happened once before. All five reported, and then the week ahead, not good for equities. What we know is this wasn't a particularly good week for equities, uh, materials, industrials. A lot of the cyclical names down for a second week in a row, financials. And so much is dependent on these names, but more and more money is crowding, hiding there, if you will. And in my thinking, that continues to be a problem. Carter, you mentioned the performance going into this critical week in the past of other sectors, but how about the tech sector and how it performed going into a critical week and how it compares with how we've performed this past week? 
Well, if you think about the most recent one, of course, in uh, 2018, in January, the whole market was spiking. In fact, that was the, one of the highest weekly RSI readings ever recorded at the time. And we have a similar circumstance, obviously having come from a crash, but the performance of tech, these names, whether you call Amazon tech or not, but the point is Facebook, these idiosyncratic super cap household uh, generals, uh, names that drive the market, they were performing well. Uh, both uh, in 15 and in 18, and then, of course, the market did not do so well thereafter. Okay. Carter, thank you. Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macro. Let's trade it. Jeff, I go to you first. Yeah, so I tend to agree with Carter. You know, I talked about it with Microsoft, and I think it's true with all of those other names. There's a fair bit of optimism priced in. And I think if you just look at the way the market's behaving in general, is the market telling us that we're making some sort of cyclical bottom where the economy's going to recover? I don't think so. You know, I look at I look at industry pairs like semiconductors versus softwares, banks versus REITs, uh, consumer discretionary versus consumer staples. You don't see any cyclicality in those ratios. You still see investors paying up for safety. So I think ultimately that means the economy is still going to be troubled over a period of time. We had awful data this week. I don't think we've seen the bottom. So at some point, those very large names are going to have to be pulled down as the economy continues to struggle. Yes, they're absolutely positioned uh, in a better way. In most, in most cases for this kind of environment. But I think overall, they're not completely impervious to the environment that we're in. Uh, a lot of optimism priced in. And again, the weight with the overall market, um, that is a point of risk going forward. Tim, I'm curious, what do you think is more of a defensive stock right here, right now? A Procter & Gamble, let's say, or an Apple? I think it's an Apple. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I get why Procter and Gamble, and particularly COVID nineteen post, you know, Procter is, is one where we we understand the eat at home dynamic, et cetera. But you know, you know, Jeff talked about the the the, the defensive nature of these stocks is such that I think that's really where money goes. Uh, and and Apple, I, I realize, and and Guy brought up the Goldman downgrade uh, versus the J P Morgan upgrade. You know, sixteen times, twenty times. What's the multiple? But either way, it, relative to itself, the multiples maybe not great. But but look, Facebook, Google, um, I would argue Apple, uh, some will argue Microsoft, me less so, are all valuations you don't have a difficult time buying with those balance sheets in this environment, where to me, it's almost a, more about credit. Um, so I, I think those are the defensive stocks. I think they will remi remain defensive. And, and look, the Nasdaq's been above the 200-day for over two weeks now. The VIX is now sub-35. I mean, is that good or bad? These guys are saying you sell that. Uh, I'm telling you, I think we actually have a case where markets have calmed down a bit. And if anything, uh, this is the marginal dollar. Uh, may not be good news overall because of the lack of breadth. And we've said this many times. Right. Carter brings this up. But those are the defensive stocks. Guy, I'll give you some choices here. Of the big cap tech names reporting earnings oh, like this, game. this coming week, which is the most defensive right now uh, in your view or... None of the above. The most offensive out of the ones that report this week, in my opinion, typically I would say Google. This environment, I would say no. So I understand what Jeff Mills said before, and he's spot on. But if you had made me pick, I'd say it's Microsoft, MSFT. So Microsoft, Mills. even though I gave you the choice of none of the above. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that part. You know, technology is a funny thing. 
I'm not a none of the above guy. You know, I used to do that on the SATs and it never seemed to work out for me. So apparently not. All right. <laughs> Coming up, Beyond Meat Sizzles. The stock just had its best week ever. We'll find out if any of our traders are taking a bite out of this name and later why this stock could see a whole new world of opportunity when the coronavirus threat subsides. Stay with us. Fast is back in two. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. Beyond Meat sizzling hot today. The stock jumping 9% to bring its weekly gain to 41%, and that is its best week ever. A few factors driving those gains, supply chain disruptions weighing on traditional meat manufacturers, and Beyond announcing this week's plan to enter China through a partnership with Starbucks. So I go to BK because you're a chief alt-meat correspondent, having uh, extensive <laughs> experience with both Beyond Meat as well as Impossible Burger. But do you buy all these sort of uh, tailwinds for this stock? I mean, so so one, yes, as you know, I did a seven-day vegetarian uh, challenge, and so I tried both the Beyond and the Impossible Burger. I just have to say Impossible is much better. The Beyond meat, when you push it down on the grill, it, it just smells. It's not good. But nonetheless, in this environment, I think this is a trading stock for this environment, right? It's got all these tailwinds. Everybody's uh, looking at it. You know, up 41 percent, it's hard for BK to buy it. But on pullbacks for a trade in this environment, I certainly like it. I mean, up 41 percent for the week, Jeff Mills. I don't know where you stand on, on this sort of sector. I mean, in, in theory, if there's a meat shortage, Beyond Meat can still crank out meat as long as there is pea protein available in this world. Um, and that supply chain is still good. Uh, I, I don't know. People are at home. Aren't they eating like frozen French fries and frozen pizza and things like that? I mean, I am. You know, if this is all about the meat shortage, I don't know if, if you didn't want fake meat before. I don't know if you want fake meat now. I, I don't necessarily want fake meat now. And I know there's the whole question about is this healthy? Is this not? I don't know if that debate's been solved. But I think for those looking for a healthy alternative longer term, the jury's still out. And if you just look at the stock, it is interesting. I mean, it's up, I think, 85 percent this month. And today it touched, as Carter would say, to the penny, its 200 day moving average and failed there closing at, I think, 109, the 200 days at 113. So technically it failed um, at an important level today. So just given the run it's taken, and like I said, I just don't know that long-term the meat shortage is something that's going to drive the type of demand at these valuations. Right. It's not a stock I would be chasing here. They're doing some good things. The partnership with Starbucks and trying to get into China, I understand that, but I just can't get behind the valuation here, especially after the dramatic move it's had. Guy, I go to you, and I feel like we should put up a disclosure because you had a terrible experience with Beyond Meat. And so that experience might actually influence uh, the way you perceive the cool. stock. But if wow. you can try and separate your experience uh, with the stock and give us your opinion on the stock, that'd be helpful. I could absolutely separate my experience. I'll say this. I would not insult my barbecue by putting a Beyond Meat burger on it, BK. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What I'll say is, despite the problems I had post Beyond Meat, I think this stock's going to trade up to the January 21st high of about 130 or so into earnings on May 5th. You have a big short interest in their tailwind. So 
it's one of these names I think people want to get in the way of, and, and there's going to be an opportunity. I just think it's going to come in the form of 130, not 109. But if you want to hedge or if you want to sort of double lever that, I'd be long KMB on the back of it, Melms. We were playing the video of our um, Beyond Meat taste test, Tim. I know you remember that very well. It's not the, it wasn't the video of, of the consumption of the alt meat that was the problem. It was something that happened later that we luckily don't have any video of, Tim. Yeah, well, uh, thankfully, and, and we seem to spend too much time talking about this kind of stuff on this show. So um, I'll, I'll talk about, uh, I think this actually has COVID-19 headwinds. I mean, people talk about, you know, meat shortages and whatnot, and that, that is something that we are not going to have much past this. Uh, there's no way uh, there is a response, and it is an, a classic ag story, commodity story. But look, uh, 51% of their revenues are coming from food service. So if anything, um, they have a headwind right now. People are not going out. So uh, the dynamics of, of the same things that are hurting uh, all of these fast food chains or all of these restaurants are the same things that should be hurting this company. Then when you get back to normalcy, you're going to see this valuation makes no sense relative to the competitive landscape. So after this move this week, you especially don't touch this one. I wouldn't short it because this is dangerous on short interest, right. uh, but it's not necessarily all about a tailwind. All right. Coming up, this stock was stuck in a mousetrap this week, but one of our traders is saying Hakuna Matata, why he sees some magical gains ahead. Fast Money's back in two. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Many of us are in quarantine, and so we've got no idea what day it is. But it is Friday, and that means it is time for our chart of the week. So we go to Jeff Mills. What are you eyeing for us, Jeff? So this is a stock I've actually liked for some time. I talked about it on the show after it pulled back into the low 130s uh, after that Disney Plus pop that it had. But Disney is down 30% year-to-date. It's 24% below its 200-day moving average. The broad market's only down some 7% below, so certainly room to recover there. And obviously, the recently announced you know, 50 million Disney Plus subscriber, that's well covered. But I go back to what Reed Hastings said on the Netflix call and their ability to disrupt themselves and to execute properly. Um, I continue to be impressed by that, and I think they're going to continue to be able to do that going forward. Look, I live in a house with three small kids. We have this on 24-7, but I think that families and folks that may have not uh, subscribed to this 
prior to the stay-at-home order may have now. And I think because of the quality of the product, they may actually stick with it. And I think just given the environment we're in, it may accelerate the way people consume media in this from-home era. Uh, and just really quickly on the valuations, you know, this is a stock that's now trading at 16 times trailing earnings. It was trading at 23 times at the end of last year. Over the last 15 years or so, it's traded at 18 times. And it usually trades at about a one multiple turn above the broad market looking at the S&P. Right now, it's two multiple turns below. So I think from a valuation perspective, look, I understand that the business is going to be challenged. Um, this business is predicated upon a lot of people getting together at one time. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of that bad news is reflected in that valuation that I'm talking about. This is a company that's going to be around for a long time, and I want to own it here. All right. Let's get to the final trade for Friday. Go around the horn. Brian Kelly. Yeah, for me, it's a Jeff Mills. I like the healthcare sector. Look at XLV. Government spending on healthcare is going to be up over 30% year over year. When that happens, healthcare tends to perform the broad market. Tim Seymour. How about that recovery in Intel? I mean, this was a very, very strong recovery after very conservative guidance for a company that I think in the middle of all this is very defensive, even in the core uh, chip space. Intel, get long. Guy Dami. Melms, were you surprised the Giants went with the tackle from Georgia? I thought they were going to go Worfs from Iowa. Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I knew you'd be surprised by that. But don't be surprised as Bristol-Myers continues to race higher. BMY, Melms. All right, what a week it's been. Don't go anywhere. Options Action's up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.